You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 68 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode I am joined by not only one but two guests, Melissa Mari and Colin E. Davis. Melissa Mari is a lifelong performance artist with a background in jazz, classical, folk and heavy rock. Colin Davis is a musician and audio engineer. He also has a background in forensic document analysis and real estate related legal strategies. Together they run the website livinginthemovie.com and they have also written a book called Shadow Tech which can be found at shadowtechbook.com. Shadow Tech is the conceptual basis for a novel understanding of the shadow of the human psyche and for cleaning and clearing practices or in other words shadow work. So thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Thanks, thanks for Alex, thanks for, for having, having us on. So please uh, tell the listeners who, who you guys are. Okay, um, my name is Colin Davis, and um, I'm an artist, a musician, um, an audio engineer by trade. But I also have a background in um, in legal work and real estate related legal work. I'm sort of a multidisciplinary person, and I've always been interested in. Uh, spiritual principles and philosophy, and um, for a number of years into um, uh, Jungian ideas, and um, and now that um, Lisa and I are doing this work together, um, very much um, studying alchemy and just furthering um, my understanding of the of the human psyche, and in particular, uh, right now, our understanding of what we call the shadow or the dark side of the psyche. Yes, and um, I'm Melissa Mari, and I also have been a musician, performing artist pretty much my whole life. And how I really started on this path was about 15, 20 years ago, I got cancer of the cervix, which really I went on uh, the journey of healing myself naturally of cancer, um, using my body as as the experiment and healing it in about a year. Um, but that was just the first step of my healing journey. And it's through meeting Colin and starting to do this shadow work where I have really been able to um, process much and actually raise my consciousness and much, much further through doing this work. Yeah, we, we had been friends for, for seven or eight years and, um, and had talked on and off. But um, in 2012, it was, we, we started taking walks together. There's this amazing nature spot, this um, John Muir Park that hardly anyone goes to. It's this, this really amazing oak grove that's near us. And we would just go there and have talks. And it was basically a time in our lives where we both Oh, we're both um, we're both in our late forties, um, and um, and it was a time in our lives when when basically uh, I, I guess just everything was right to where um, 
to where it was really it was we we in, both intuited that we either we either take the time and the energy to go into our own psyches and figure out what it was that was causing our destructive cycles in life. Um, we either do it now or we do it never because it was, it's, you know, the, the older you get, the more entrenched you get into your, into your mental programming. And, um, and it's, uh, it's not that it's, I mean, we, we, we both have trauma in our backgrounds. We both have, um, we have both have destructive cycles in our backgrounds. We both had difficult childhoods, but not in, you know, nothing that would, that, that would make us um, totally dysfunctional. But we both intuited that there was, um, there was an aspect of us that had yet to unfold. There was a higher purpose for both of us in our lives that had yet to unfold and that it would not unfold unless we could get to the root of what was holding it back, what was holding us back. And so that was just sort of um, an intuition that was behind our talks together. Because we had talked as friends for years, but at, at this time we started basically um, like weekly or every other week getting together on one of the weekend days and just going out for a few hours and basically counseling each other and just talking about our backgrounds and all of this and psychoanalyzing each other. And, um, and it was that, that process. Now I would say that basically that process was turning on the magician archetype. And, um, it was, it was that, it was that process that really opened the door for the, for the, for the alchemical process to begin. What was interesting about it was that at that particular time, through those uh, first few months that we started doing the walking and the talking, I realized that a relationship that I had been in for the last 10 years um, with um, my, actually my guitar player and my band was actually incredibly dysfunctional and that I would actually have to end it. And so it was pretty dramatic for me. It was a big life-changing time for me because I realized that 10 years of my life I still hadn't progressed and that my music and my art would not be able to progress until I started doing um, this internal work. And... Um, so it was not necessarily the easiest thing yeah. to go into all of this. This was very challenging work, but I believe that alchemy itself, the alchemical journey, it starts with this deep shadow work that you right. have to go through these areas that are uncomfortable that if you don't go into what's uncomfortable to the deepest part of one's being and start to notice all these different programs and cycles and even deeply more into your um, what you've been given epigenetically um, 
through your parents and your parents' parents. and Genetically. Genetically. And Mm -hmm. then also maybe um, it's even deeper than that. Right. Unless you're willing to go into that, then the natural evolutionary process will not, will just stop and all that energy becomes repressed. Yeah, there's there's a reason why the the negrito or calcination or however you want to speak about it in, in terms of alchemy, how the why the first stage of the alchemical process is shadow work. And like um if you if you if you relate the alchemical process to Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, for example, also again, you cross a threshold into the unknown, into the darkness, into that part of your life or that part of yourself that um this basically, you know, in, in, uh, let me see if I can explain this. Um, there's by, 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 reco- by the, by the, um, necessity of us having to go into our own darkness. Um, not only is that, that domain, the domain where your hidden genius is, um, and not only is that domain uh, the place where all of your quote-unquote demons lie, all of those aspects of yourself that need to be um, cleaned, cleared, transmuted, that are holding you back, but it's also a testing ground because the, the, the alchemical process is a, is a lifelong journey, and it requires one to basically be continually alert, continually working on yourself, continually analyzing the relationship between processes inside of yourself and processes in your environment and how they relate to you. And it's, a, it's magician work. And um, if, if you can't pass the tests from the initial um, part of the journey, if you can't, if you can't get past that part, you can't you can't finish you can't you can't do this work this is really it that's why it's called the hero's journey this really is heroic work and getting over your own um destructive cycles is um is 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 definitely heroic work and so this is why you you really have to prove yourself to yourself and um it's like it's like any other kind of athletic or Olympic training, you know, you have to go through that initial training process and really get your capacities up so that you can go forward. Yeah, it's like an extreme sport, really. You have to be willing to, like, be able to jump out of a plane or be like a a snowboarder and going over, you know, the, 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 the most intense course. Um, it's kind of like that. But one thing that I was thinking about was that, you know, um, that one of the most important things to understand is that as much as you have this part of your part of oneself that is evolutionary, that, that is evolving at the same time, there's a destructive force that's trying to destroy you. And, um, the tree of death side. There's a tree of life, but there's also a tree of death in the Kabbalah. And um, one of the most important things that um, 
And it's the first chapter of our book is about duality itself. Yeah. And this is a really important thing to understand on a deep level, the nature of duality. If you can't accept that there is a whole destructive side of the universe, half of the yin yang, right? Um, then you're kind of you're kind of out of luck. <laughs> you're kind of trapped. You're kind of trapped. Yeah. Because you have to understand this very very deeply. Um, maybe Colin can explain duality a little bit itself, unless you want to go in a different direction. No, that's good to talk about duality. How do you see it? Well, um, yeah, like she said, it's it's you know the Taoist yin yang symbol, which is half black and half white. I mean, you could see that symbol to be the white side to be um, the active or masculine processes in the universe, and the the black side to be the passive or feminine processes. But you could also see it to be uh, the white side to be um, evolution. And um, and the black side to be death and destruction, and and it's literally the 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 destructive side of the yin yang symbol is literally half of the symbol, and you know there's a reason for that. Why you know why is it why is it like that? And if you if you doubt that that is that 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 philosophy is true, that if if you doubt that 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 symbol is accurately representing the situation, just look at it closely. And what you'll find is that every creative activity, every creative act, whether it's an organic uh, act of a, a life process, a plant growing up um, from the soil, or whether it's a human being who's creating a business or creating a child or whatever it is, creating a new relationship or getting a new job or whatever it is, anything that is actually created has, as an equal and opposite consequence, a destructive process as well. There, you know, if I get a new job, that's great for me and for my family, but somebody else got fired. You know, if I start a new business and my business does really well, that's wonderful for me and the employees at my business, but somebody else down the street was probably doing the same kind of business and my thriving business drove them into bankruptcy. And, and so, you know, there is a, for everything that is created, something is destroyed. And you can, you can mitigate, you can lessen the amount of destruction that occurs through the efficiency of what you do and by being as inclusive of all you know, stakeholders, you could call it, um, in what you're doing, but you can never, you're always displacing your entropy one way or another. And so, it's really important to understand that, um, that, um, that this creative and destructive um, process is going on constantly, and you can't just ignore it. And not only is it going on in your society, not is it going going on in the biosphere, but it's going on inside of your psyche. Yeah, and it's really important that when you understand this, there's two things. There's a sense of of of, of freedom when you really know that this is just the way that this reality, this dimension. There may be other dimensions which are non-dual. Sometimes we get 
when we take psychedelics or um, have peak experience, we get into a non-dual state. Right. But in this dimension, we live in a dual reality. Yeah. And when you really understand that, it, it, accept it's a, it and go and into it and stop it. fighting it. it. It's it's a sense of freedom and acceptance and and beauty of just this of what where we're at here. And then the other thing that's very important is that through that destruction, if if something destructive shows up in one's life, right. that's a sign to show you it's pushing you to evolve. Yes. It's pushing you right. to go into your own internal state and to your life to look at it. Why is that showing up? Right. And then you can actually... It, that destruction can actually help you evolve. Oh, absolutely. It's it's really an amazing process. Because if destruction is coming into your life from your point of view in whatever way, or if destruction is coming in a- anywhere into your perception, there is either that it, that destruction is either the result of something else being created or it is a setup job where something potentially creative is that there is a potential for creation um, manifesting. And so when, when, when destruction comes into your life, whether it's in relationship or in whatever it is, if, if it, you may not at first know, you know, what are the causes of, of, of something destructive in your life. Um, but if you, if you can just understand that, there is a creative side to that destruction that is either operating or potentially can operate, um, and you go looking for it, then that's your light at the end of the tunnel. That's what you can. That's that's what you can. You you can realize what you can do if you can transmute that destruction, if you can accept that destruction, and allow it to be what it is. You, you can sometimes step in and, and mitigate it to some degree. But the bigger and more powerful it is, the more you're going to have to accept it. If a hurricane comes in and knocks your town over, there's, you're really going to have to accept it. And there is, you, in, in, in that particular case, you have to go through the process of mourning. You have to go through the grieving process. You have to allow the destructive process to actually move you internally but it is a setup job for something potentially creative happening and so that's then where you can go and um it, it I, I guess that's good there <laughs> well i was also gonna say it's also a really good way to look at what's going on in the world right now um just like the hopey prophecy we really are going through a cleansing and um, it's through this cleansing, through all this chaos that is occurring, is actually um, new ideas, new things are, are sprouting through that. Yeah. This is the opportunity for us who are somewhat awake to really, really do this um, alchemical process on ourselves and to really evolve and actually um, go into our deep 
patterning, our deep um, epigenetic DNA, and we can actually reprogram ourselves and um, seed this information and and this this new these new sprouts and seed it to the next generation. So, um, if we can understand what's going on, yes. if we can get out of the like uh, the trauma drama, right? Uh, if we can, um, because like I think what she's alluding to here is all of the social destruction that's going on. It's going on all over the planet right now. So we have all of this. Um, basically, I mean, it looks pretty clear to me that we're in the, in the beginning stages of global community. Uh, whether you look at it from the point of view uh, of, of a negative, there's a new world order coming in that's trying to destroy national sovereignty and all this kind of stuff, and that's probably a reality. But there's a, there's a creative side to that, too. Um, there is a global community forming where... Um, where countries will be countries and cultures will be more like neighborhoods than they will be like um, um, s- sovereign um, separate nation states, and th- the the process of that occurring of that of that um, forming is um, is extremely chaotic, and that is only just beginning right now, and so. Um, yeah, you're going to see uh, increasing social destructiveness um, on the world stage. And um, so if you stay in that and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, this everything is falling apart and this is so horrible and blah, 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 then you just say stay stuck in the game. But if you can zoom out of it and if you can – and this is why we're un- – explaining duality because if you can zoom out of it and see that this is part of the creative process happening and that there is an alchemical process happening um, culturally um, and allow it to do what it's doing and yes you can come in and you can affect the situation for the better but only if you have some kind of mastery over the alchemical process yourself because if you are still really um if you're still very stuck with your own destructive cycles if you're still very stuck with your own um mental programming and can't see your way out of it in your own mind body situation how much help can you be to affect change for the better in the in the greater cultural domain. Yeah, and I would I would add, and this goes into a, another chapter in our book, the way that we view things when he was saying zooming out, um, that, the, that as above, so below, the way we view that mm-hmm. is um, what we, what is termed as holarchy. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's in a really amazing map to how we how we view things and how we figure things out yeah. is through as above so below. So maybe Colin can go into that a little bit because it's I think it's how we've been able to map things out and figure things out, figure these things out. Yeah, there's a reason why as above so below is the is the primary um maxim of the of the alchemist why it's sort of the first maxim in the emerald tablet is because 
this is sort of your your meta map of the universe of your psyche that you can go exploring with because if you don't know that there is um, interrelation between systems in the universe if you don't know that the universe um, repeats certain fundamental patterns that work well and if you don't know how to go looking for those and how to how to relate them you basically you're you're totally lost and this is a big problem actually with with science even though the scientific process itself is extremely sound um, if if only uh, the scientific community could understand the concept of as above so below and no and and realize that the universe is and I'll give you an example of this but the universe is repeating fundamental patterns um, micro in other words there are microcosmic patterns in yourself or in in the in in the <laughs> see if I can try to explain this well now um, look at the similarity between um, for example the um, uh, the uh, uh, an atomic element where you have a proton and a neutron a positive and negative proton and neutron forming the nucleus of an atom and then you have the electron orbiting around it look at how that that is basically a mirror of the solar system um, our solar system may or may not be a binary solar system it may or may not have a positive and negative uh, core but it's possible, uh, for example, there's there's some good theories that the star Sirius is the um, sister star to our 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 sun, and so in that case, it, it is our solar system is a um, is basically a mirror of um, of an atom, and um, look at the um, the human family or any animal reproductive unit you know we even call the human family the nuclear family where you have a positive and negative um, um, internal core masculine and feminine core the mother and the father and then the children orbiting around this um, this core and you can see these kinds of patterns repeating all throughout nature if you go looking for them and um, this is what basically this is this is this is what as above so below means, and um, and there is a modern term for this that Ken Wilbur, the American philosopher, used extensively called holarchy. I think Arthur Kessler actually coined the term holon. And in this understanding, it's very similar, related to the the concept of as above so below, um, but the universe. Um, it it manifests in um, it manifests in holons. Everything that you can put your finger on and say, "Oh, that's a coffee cup," or "That's a human being," or "That's a planet," or "That's a galaxy." When you break it apart, you'll see that that thing is made up of all kinds of constituent parts, and those parts collectively make that thing. And then they also have an individual. Um, um, they have an individual state as well. And when you go inside any of those parts, like say for example a galaxy, it's a single thing. But then it's made up of stars and planets, and each of those stars and planets are also gigantic communities made up of single things, 
which when you zoom into those, those things are gigantic communities made up of single things, and it goes on and on forever. So everything in the universe is both a singular entity and a gigantic community at the same time. And if you, and if you understand that, and you understand that those holons, those entities, repeat in nature, um, at least fundamentally, they don't, they don't repeat exactly. It's not like a fractal where you see an exact replication of pattern over and over and over again. That would just be, that would be death. There would be no novelty, no creation in that. You, it's sort of a mixture of uh, novelty and some chaos to break it up. But you still see these repeating fundamental meta patterns in the universe. And when you can understand one of them, you can then take what you've learned from understanding, let's say, how solar systems work or how atoms work or how families work, and you can superimpose your understanding onto another holon. And so um, if you sort of keep this in mind all the time, then when you're trying to investigate something like the human psyche, which is just basically um, – it's it seems like an invisible domain, really. It's, it's, it's extremely um, opaque and difficult to get into. Um, the, but if you have this tool, if you have this key of as above, so below, or holarchy, and you can start looking at similarities um, between your patterns in your own psyche and patterns in your culture or patterns in your family or patterns in nature, and you can basically understand if you can understand how something works socially or culturally, then you can superimpose that back onto yourself and learn about how it works inside of yourself. And so this is what you can do is what we call holon jumping. And you can basically jump around different holons. And if there's something you're working on, you don't really understand how it could work fundamentally. Well, you just find what is a, is a similar or self-similar equivalent to that thing in society or in nature, study that, and then bring back what you've learned from studying that other process back onto what you're studying about yourself. And so this is what we use constantly. We're always whole on jumping around to try to figure out, you know, what's going on in our own states when it's something that you, we can't really, you know, physically see. You have a website called livinginthemovie.com. What do you mean by this phrase? Is it like kind of like living in the matrix? We can definitely go into that, but I think it's really important um, that once you understand about holarchy and how that's how we figured out that our psyche was like viruses or um, parasites, the destructive part of our psyche. Yeah. Um, This is really important in the the whole Negrito. Yeah, may, maybe I think the uh, to answer your question about living in the movie, I think that maybe maybe that will make itself more clear as we go along. But basically, yes, it's sort of like Plato's um, um, metaphor of the of the cave or the concept of the matrix or the um, the Hindu or uh, um, the concept of of maya being uh where the you know reality as you see it is 
not the true substantive reality, but that the true substantive reality is behind that and that reality is sort of a, a projection. Um, and so this is an ancient understanding, really. So living in the movie is just our sort of more up-to-date version of that. Well, actually, we really live our lives like we are living in a movie. Once um, we started doing all this internal work on ourselves, we noticed how our internal state was affecting our external world. And we realized that as we were, were going in, things would adjust or change in our external wor world or show up in synchronicities that would guide us in more into this investigation, into this journey. So we live our lives really... Um, like yeah. we're living in a movie. Yeah, this is not totally unknown. You know, the concept of synchronicities that Carl Jung uh, brought around, and um, and and I think this is this is ancient um, alchemical Egypt, uh, magician work, really. But it is using your outer reality as very very literally understanding that your external reality is not a complete projection of your internal psyche. It is, um, it is it's a much bigger process than that, but that there, are, that there are mirror reflections going on between your psyche and your perceived outer world. And if you can start to get to, um, get to understand them and have some um, understanding of how the symbolism or the archetypal patterning of your psyche works, then you can start looking for those reflections in your outer world and they, they, they respond to you and, um, and then you respond to them. And so basically there's a back and forth communication process between um, your own inner awareness and your, and your, um, experience of your external reality and you can actually you can sort of use your external reality like as a as a divining mechanism yeah it's like uh how you would do dream work it's yeah it's yeah and, and and if you know author paul levy um he has a concept of awaken in the dream and he talks about this a lot but um yeah this is ancient alchemical work really but um yeah, it's understanding that your external world has a dreamlike, somewhat dreamlike nature to it. A story-like. Yeah, there is an archetypal, story-like, symbolic nature to your life and your external reality. And it's completely related to what's going on in your psyche. And so by um, studying this relationship, you basically help yourself along on your journey. But sort of that, that I, it, <laughs> you know, that, that actually, that understanding actually came to us early on. But I think I was talking a little earlier about holarchy and as above, so below, and that gets a little bit um, complex or um, theoretical or whatever. Your book, uh, Shadow Tech, uh, is about like the black stage of alchemy, I guess you could say. But there is also the white stage and then eventually the red stage or different traditions have different colors but basically uh, there's 
other stages of a higher levitation than the black stage. Are you planning to do books about those? Uh, that See, this is what's very interesting because we're following the alchemical journey, how it's coming to us. And through different um, things that showed up into our lives, um, we have already uh, been doing quite an intense refining process on ourselves. And we feel like um, we are actually stepping into another phase. But we are learning. We are investigators. And as we learn, we share. Yeah. And so um, shadow tech, the first phase is what we feel comfortable at this point that we really um, have done a lot of shadow work and really went in depth into understanding this black phase or the negrito phase. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're sharing at this point, though, like our, our music, we're, we're writing what we we're calling an alchemical rock opera right now. Um, and the first uh, the first performance will be the Negrito, but then we'll do another one as we're going on in our own yeah. in our own journey. So I would say yes, we probably will. Yeah. Um, but this is a very organic process, and um, I would say it's the same for for everyone is is constantly going through this alchemical process yeah. in their lives. And there's different times that you're going through different phases, I believe. Um, and then it comes around and you do more refining and then you have to. Yeah. Uh, it's not just the black phase, just constantly for years before you experience any light. Right. You know, no, it's, it's a constant spiraling Yes, but um, but yeah, we felt like it's 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 not really appropriate. We could study alchemy, and we could and and by the way, alchemy, you know, uh, Western esoteric alchemy, spiritual alchemy, is um, is not the only is not the only form of alchemy. There's Chinese alchemy, all of the um, the Vedic, the, the, yeah, the Vedantic ten. Um, practices and all of that um, early Buddhism and all of that is um, is is alchemical work and yoga and tantra this is this is alchemical work so it's not just this one this one philosophy this one school you know pick your school whatever works for you but um, it's it w wouldn't really be appropriate we felt for us to become experts in the history of psycho-spiritual work and then project or predict how it would unfold, we really just have to explain what is coming to us from where we are in the stage. And so, yeah, shadow tech is basically, um, it's, you know, what happened was as we, as Melissa and I started to psychoanalyze ourselves and really, really come to the realization that, hey, okay, we first realized that we were good at doing this with each other. And we're like, hey, this is really good. You you can see into me and I can see into you. And we're completely being transparent with ourselves and honest. And uh, we have nothing to lose here. And so let's let's use this relationship to really get into our our psychic garbage. And um, as we as that intention turned turned on, basically that activated 
the alchemical process, and we had all kinds of synchronicities. We had different kinds of kundalini experiences and peak experiences of all kinds for probably like the first year that really showed us, okay, we're turning something on here. And then we, as we would engage in conversation, we would just creatively come upon ideas that would seem like original ideas to us at the time. And then we would go research them and find out that these were already ancient spiritual ideas or philosophical ideas. And then we would write them down in books or on whiteboards. And we started to build up a collection of key or core concepts that seemed to be um, explaining what it was that we were confronting in ourselves. And so those concepts then we elaborated upon and put into that book. And um, before we go too far, we probably should just, you know, we've kind of broken this open a little bit and maybe we should go right into the, we should go right into the shadow work. We should go into these concepts um, of that, that, that relate to the human shadow or what was called the human shadow, which is really, a, a, I think it, we need some new terms here, but, um, and, and share some of this information with people because when you, when you, when you realize that the only way you're going to be able to live your highest spiritual purpose in life is to go into, go through your own garbage, your own psychic garbage, your own repeating destructive cycles, emotional cycles, old emotional trauma. When you realize that this garbage is there and you either have to transmute it or it's going to take you down, um, we hope to be able to share some tools with people so that they can go into that. Um, yeah, you're going to have to go on your own journey. It's going to, it's going to be your movie. It's going to unfold for you um, the way it unfolds for you. But I think there are some, some core archetypal um, signs and symbols and tools that you can use. And, um, and maybe we could, we could share some of those if you want. Yeah, please do. Okay. Do you want to say anything, uh, Melissa? Um, yeah. So as far as um, doing the work that we've done and how it's affected our own internal state and the refining process of going into this garbage um, has the effect is this clarity is more clarity is more space in our consciousness it actually opens up um, the more more of your higher circuits, your your higher abilities, you uh, your intuition. You start to um, have almost what you would call magical experiences in your outer world that reflects that. Um, you start to understand what your own uh, higher purpose is in your life. And it's almost your world will actually follow you there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why, um, as difficult as it is to go into something that's uncomfortable, what you get out of it yeah. is you get back your soul. You get you <laughs> you, you get your your higher your higher self or yeah. that part of yourself that you were. Your, your own 
personal code, your soul code starts to appear more and more clear and your whole apparatus, your whole mind body yeah. becomes more clear. Yeah, what she's basically saying, I think, is one of the, it's, it's like a universal truth. It's like if you want things, if you want to stay the same, if you want what you have, and, and that could mean you just want stability. If you want things to stay the same, then just keep doing what you're doing thinking the way you're thinking, and anytime you see something that's challenging, go away from it. That's how you stay the same. And in some cases, staying the same is what you want to do, and you have to do this. You, if you, you can't just constantly challenge everything. Um, and so that's the formula for stability or staying the same, is go away from what makes you uncomfortable, go away from what challenges you, and then just reverse that for the formula for how to evolve or how to change. And that is go right into what makes you uncomfortable. Right. And this is naturally um, difficult for a lot of people because it's natural that as human beings or any animal, that when you, um, when you have pain, that you want to get away yeah. from the pain. Sure. You don't. You don't want to go into the pain. It's an instinctive reaction at the lowest level of your physiology. Right. It says go away from pain and go towards pleasure. Yeah, I had an experience, a physical physical experience at one point when I was really, really sick. And um, this helped me to be able to go into the emotional, um, psych more psychic pain was that I was very, very sick and I could could barely, I, I couldn't function and I was all alone. And uh, some a voice came into my head and said, uh, I, I asked, so what is pain? And it's just blocked energy. That was the answer you got back? Blocked energy. And mm -hmm. so instead of, I said, okay, so if it's just blocked energy, what if I actually go right into the pain right. and just accept the physical pain right. as blocked energy? And the minute that I did that, just fully accepting that physical pain, it shifted and I felt this release, this, this energetic release. Yeah. Now, this is similar to the uh, emotional um, clearing work that we've been doing. What I what I did find going through this um, process myself is that actually um, emotional, um, psychic, real deep trauma kind of pain um, that's been repressed for a long time is actually can be more challenging than actually going into physical pain. Yeah. But it, it's the same process. So, so that, yeah, so that, yeah, exactly. It's, it's no matter what it is, whether it's emotional pain, whether it's um, a thought, a repeating thought that makes you um, uncomfortable, if it is a certain person who, when they come around you, that invokes a certain thought or a feeling in you that makes you uncomfortable, um, whether it's um, a thought of something you have to do in the future, if it's a thought of something that happened to you in the past, whatever 
the discomfort is. The process here is you basically meditate upon it and go into that uncomfortable feeling or thought um, as deeply as into the center of it as you can while watching yourself and watching your reactiveness to that. If it's a thought, you will be, other thoughts will be coming up to try to rationalize why it's okay to not like this other person, for example. If there's somebody that's in your life that always makes you angry, for example, um, and you go into just saying, okay, this person is in my life. They're in my space right now. This makes me reactive. Um, just basically sit with it and go find the feeling state that is appearing in relation to that person and find the thoughts that are appearing in relation to that person and just allow those thoughts to completely come up or those feelings come up as much as possible and just start going. And it's, it's, it's a process that you're going to have to basically play around with but go play around with this process on multiple occasions going into that uncomfortable thought or feeling and um, allowing yourself to uh, go just go investigating around in there. And eventually you'll find a spot where that, where that reactiveness will disappear and you will give in to that to that thing in your life that is giving you discomfort. And there is a specific process that um, John Ruskin, R-U-S-K-A-N, calls emotional clearing. And we started using this process ourselves. Um, we first started just doing, um, I should back up a little bit and just say that the, the first clearing work or let me back up even, even more a little bit here and just say that just let me frame the whole thing for people and say what we're talking about is we're talking about shadow work. We're talking about work that is the, the intention of this work is basically a, it's cleaning work. It's clearing work. It's like basically you know going into all the back rooms in your house and cleaning up everything. It's scrubbing everything up because if you go into the back rooms – if you, if you have been dumping garbage in the back rooms of your house for many years, organic garbage, you would find that that garbage attracts insects and rats and you will have an infestation going on. And this is basically what happens in our psyches is, is that every time something traumatic or something uncomfortable or something difficult appears in our lives, especially when we're children, you really have very little control over your own psyche when you're a child. And so you get over it the best you can and then you move on. But there is a residue now of all kinds of emotional or psychic imprints that are left over in your mind, in your psyche, that are still basically constitute an infestation or an infection. And so we are all walking around with all kinds of different psychic infections, different wounds different unresolved programming inside of us. And at some point, that, that programming, that circuitry uh, becomes extremely dysfunctional. And, all, and it can become autonomous too. And, and that's true. And, yeah. and, and, and actually, some of, this, some, of the, some, of these, some of this discontinuity, that is, some of it is formed 
through um, difficult childhoods. Some of it is just formed through the normal course of life. And I like to use the analogy of if you get cut, like if you fall down and cut your arm or something, basically, what do you, what do you need to do to resolve that issue? First, you need to clean your arm off. You totally need to clean the surface of it. You need to bring air or oxygen to the surface. You might need to put some kind of antibacterial element on there, but at least keep it clean and then put a bandage on it, cover it up, and then open the bandage off, clean it again, give it more air. And if it becomes infected, like if there's a little a cyst or something inside of the wound, you have to drain the wound. And so you clean it, you clear it, you drain it, you cover it back up, and over a period of a couple of weeks, that wound will heal. Well, the exact same thing is something that ha we have to do on the psychic level. And so what we're basically getting into here is we're getting into the um, cleaning and clearing of old psychic wounds, of old discontinuities, some of them we, we, we gathered over the course of this lifetime. Some were passed on to us from our, from, our, from our families. Some of them are cultural. Some could either be, if you believe in past life, yep. possibly if from you that. believe in reincarnation, possibly that. So that's basically what we're doing. We're going in and we're doing an inventory of all of the discontinuity in the psyche. And we're getting to, at first, the worst stuff. We're not, you know, it, that's that's the stuff we're dealing with at first. It's the most obvious psychic wounding or discontinuities that we have. And so at first, it's just a basic practice of just doing inventory and watching your mind and watching the repeating destructive cycles of thoughts and feelings which occur in your life and in the course of relationship starting to watch the ongoing cycles that lead to conflict in the relationship. And this is just watching. That's all we're doing is just we're watching and we're coming to understand what these deeper or just what these cycles are and how they operate and what triggers them. And that's sort of like the first phase of this, of this shadow work is just an inventory and watching. And then what we'll eventually get to is we'll get to – um, a place where we will be we'll we'll be deep enough to where we'll be able to discern not just the thoughts and the feelings or excuse me not just the thoughts that are um, that are repeating and destructive but we'll start to be able to get a little deeper and see how that there is a feeling state signature for all of these destructive thoughts they are based on, a lower feeling state wound or feeling state program that is even below the thought level. And the th feeling or emotional state level of, of this psychic discontinuity is um, much more powerful than the thoughts. And if the emotional state um, discontinuity is cleared, the thoughts start to disappear. And so this is why one of the most important things that we can do when we're doing shadow work is to start cleaning out those old emotional wounds. And, um, and because the thought-based work is going to go on forever, and, but it, it has to be, that, that has to come um, along with this 
this feeling state clearing. Now, there are Eastern practices, Buddhist practice, yogic practices, which deal with breathing and which deal with um, accessing emotional energy. But the one that, that we used was the John Ruskin process called emotional clearing. And it's exactly what we talked about earlier with going into, into discontinuity or going into what's uncomfortable. And basically, you can use a trigger – Anything that happens in your relationship, anything that happens in your external world, it can even just be waking up in the morning and being in a terrible mood and you don't know why, but you use that as an open doorway into your feeling state and you basically go sit down and you allow yourself to meditate as much as possible upon that feeling, allow any thoughts to arise that come up and generally bad feelings, bad moods, destructive feeling states will have a whole lot of, you know, there'll, there'll be a whole, um, there'll, there'll be all kinds of thoughts that will go along with that. And you'll just uh, let those arise. But what you're basically doing is allowing yourself to feel the feeling, whatever it is, if it's anger, if it's sadness, if it's grief, a lot of times if it's anger, you go through the anger and you'll find that there's sadness or grief underneath the anger um, and you just get into it and allow it to ar arise and basically take over your body. And that process is a clearing process where you're moving emotional energy from where it is sitting, where it is blocked to allow it to flow through your physiology, just like cleaning a wound like I talked about earlier. Um, it's like if you look at a small child and they fall down, um, you notice that the best thing to do is allow them to fully go through the process of crying and fully feeling that. And then when that, when that phase has gone through, they're totally fine. That's so true. what happens is if you sit with the feeling if you just allow it to be what it is, you don't judge it, you don't put push it away, you don't distract yourself, you don't want to project it, you just want to sit and allow it to go through your body, what you'll notice is that on an energetic uh, level, once the feeling processes through your body, you will... Uh, maybe not immediately, but you will feel a sense of space. Yeah. Um, it, it opens space in your psyche. What she said about a child is is a perfect analogy. Is If a child falls down, like say a, a two, three-year-old child falls down on the ground and starts crying, basically um, if the parent says, don't cry or you're okay or tries to interject into the process, then, um, then basically – a, a discontinuity is being formed. Um, the circuitry is being broken right there. And what the proper thing to do is to support the child and just be there as an emotional support while the child goes through the full process of feeling hurt, realizing that they're okay, looking back at the parent, the parent is there supporting, the child is okay, then the parent is looking at the child, making sure that there's nothing wrong, that they're not really hurt, and then the child stops crying, and then the child starts laughing and going back to playing again. And that is a normal process that we all go through thousands of times when we're growing up, 
and there are many other kinds of um, experiences like that. And these are the training of your physiology. This is how your body is learning, and it's basically genetically programmed into you, but your body is practicing going through a full emotional cycle and letting it rise and reach its peak and then go back down again. And what happens though, in, and it's very much in Western society because it's very structured and patriarchal, there are things that are okay, that are they're, they're, that are that are good to do in public or whatever, and then there, there's those things that are bad or not acceptable, and it's this constant back and forth of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And basically, our parents and our society is basically trying to program our physiology, and a lot of it is structured towards making good, obedient people who will um, be good constituent members of a colonizing civilization, but it's not necessarily the right way to raise children for them to be whole human beings. And so we basically, especially in this in this civilization, have all kinds of old broken programming from the way that we were raised, from the way that our society um, works. And this stuff leads, this, this stuff builds up. And so that process that that she described there of the child, that 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 whole process of the child going through its emotional um, cycle, is what we're basically doing again right now. We're basically reparenting ourselves. So when we get emotionally triggered, emotionally charged over something, we basically sit with ourselves, watch ourselves compassionately, and allow ourselves to completely go through the entire emotional process. And I can tell you that over the about two years, year and a half, two years that we did this work um, extensively, we basically used any time that in our relationship a conflict came up, we would allow that conflict to show us what is the feeling energy behind behind this conflict. And then as soon as we were capable, because you get into a conflict, this takes you over. But as soon as you're capable, you go sit down on the couch and then you allow this feeling that is there to arise and to completely take you over. And I, I mean, me personally, I went through, I probably could count like maybe, I don't know, 30 times of sitting down and finding myself going into the emotion and resulting in myself sobbing or crying and that crying could go on for five minutes that crying on some occasions went on for two hours just basically being a small child again and that process of doing that over a year and a half to two years um, cleared a huge amount of emotional garbage out of me and now I if we get into a conflict which they're they're not nearly as severe anymore um but I can, I, you know, I sometimes have to do a very small process for just a few minutes. But that need to do big processing is gone now because so much of that energy has flown out. And the change in your psyche that occurs as you start to clean this emotional garbage out of yourself is you start to, your conscious, people talk about, you know, raising your consciousness, becoming more evolved. 
if you really want to watch yourself evolve and you watch your consciousness get finer and raised, start clearing this emotional garbage out through this process and you will find yourself evolving more rapidly than you can do with just meditating or reading about spirituality. This is a very powerful process. Yes, um, it's very important to um, what Colin was talking about of taking inventory, start watching your thoughts, basic uh, mindfulness practices because to reparent yourself, to become uh, your own parent um, while and uh, just allow yourself to go through this process, uh, one needs to develop what we call the watcher or that person, uh, that part of you that is a little outside of yourself yeah. that is not attached to the feeling that can act. You still go through the full feeling, but there's a part of you that understands that is, is much more wise and can actually help you through this. Yeah, it's it's that watcher. It's it that's that's you know that's the intent of a lot of meditation, and and which is something that you you probably want to do in addition. But you know m when you when you practice sort of traditional Eastern meditation, that's one of the things that you're really cultivating is that that higher sense of self that is watching from. It, it, it's it's you know it is watching from a higher place, and um, I, I, it's sort of almost difficult for Melissa and I to even talk about because that has been pretty active in us all of our lives. But um, but yeah, the more you can um, separate the thoughts and feelings and just the whole um, programming of the mind, and realize that there is a higher eye that is watching that or that can be activated and can watch that and the more you cultivate that then the easier it is to do difficult processes like that because you may be sitting on the couch just you know feeling some intense state of anger or feeling some intense state of grief that you're allowing yourself to feel through this through this process but above all of that will be this awareness that will say here I am what, here I am just going through the process, and this is me processing this emotion, and this is what's going on, and I'm just going to sit with this and allow it to take its course. And the more you can um, associate yourself with that higher watcher, then the easier it is to do this work. Right, because um, you don't want to project, for instance, if you feel anger, um, that's a very active emotion, and it, it makes you want to, you know, hit something yeah. or hit a couch or, It'll take you know, you over. but you don't want to do that. You want to just allow that anger to go through you and watch it happen and watch it happen without projecting it out. Yeah. Um, so that's why these these other things um of as far as inventory mindfulness is very important when you start doing the emotional yeah. clearing work and and we talked about this emotional clearing work in the in the chapter in our book emotional processing but this originates from John Ruskin's book which is called emotional clearing, clearing. 2003 book which we highly recommend um and so the combination 
of just doing continual inventory of watching your thoughts and studying your own inner state and sort of realizing, okay, here's, you know, I get my, you, you'll start noticing that you get yourself into these um, destructive cycles, you know, what whatever they are, whether they're um, being annoyed with your spouse or your partner over certain type of thing that you always get annoyed over and you watch the ritual or the cycle happen. It could be your job. It could be your job. You keep losing jobs or, or it could be money problems where, you know, at the end of the month, you always find that you don't have the money to pay all your bills and you have to scramble at the end of the month to get everything together. And there's this stressful feeling of, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. And you can watch that process happen over and over again. Whatever the destructive cycle is, you just watch it more and more and more and start to just understand how it's put together in your own mind. And so that's just sort of the magician mindfulness work. And then there is the actual physical, emotional clearing work. And then I think that if you're doing these together, you are so, you are so involved in this inner work that you are going to start having peak experiences. You are start going to have heart chakra awakenings. You're going to have different physiological, spiritual experiences going on in yourself. And you're going to start seeing more synchronicities in your outer world. You're going to be attracted to books, to, um, to, to, to sources of information that help you understand yourself better. In, in our case, it was, it was a lot of a Jungian type of work. It was the work of Carl Jung and other Jungians, and then later alchemy and alchemists. And you're going to be start attracted to this kind of stuff, and you're going to start understanding it more. And you are, at that point, on the path. You are on the journey. You, if, if, once you start to get to the point to where you're doing the emotional clearing, and, and you will try to not do that. A lot of people will reject that. They will say, I'm not going to do that, or I don't need to do that, or uh, they will distract themselves or away from that. Or they play games with their mind and say, well, if I do this practice, right. um, then this will, then I don't have to do... I'll do this meditation, I'll do this yoga, I'll do this other new age I'll practice. I'll do this alchemical experiment. Or, or I'll take these mushrooms, and I don't, and because of that, I don't have to do the emotional clearing. No. <laughs> Start doing the emotional clearing. Do it several times. Really get to some of this core garbage and then watch your psyche shift and then you will be on the path and then just stay the path. Yeah, and I would say that I do think that psychedelics are incredibly useful as part of our path. Yeah. But the thing about psychedelics is that you have to integrate these peak experiences that you have. And I would say that I know a lot of people who have taken ayahuasca and because they have that peak experience, they keep wanting to go back into that peak experience without the integration process. And the integration process is living your day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. and really starting to use your body mind as your workshop and doing these practices, the emotional clearing practices 
And this is how you're going to be able to integrate these higher experiences that you've had doing the psychedelics. Yeah, probably so. Who would you recommend uh, Shadow Tech for and where can people get it? Oh, okay. Um, well, I would recommend the book for anybody that's on a spiritual journey, anybody that, that has been doing any kind of um, self-work, um, uh, anybody who finds themselves perhaps attracted to the dark side. Maybe they're attracted to political conspiracies or they're attracted to the study of psychopaths or anybody that's attracted to anything dark in themselves or in their in their world. Th those people, that's a, that's a sign that you are basically moving towards um, uh, this, the, the, the alchemical path and going into your own darkness. That's the sort of a pre previous state. Um, anybody that's been um, doing meditation, other, other spiritual practices, but feels that maybe that they haven't, they haven't been getting enough out of it. This book is, um, it's just our experiences, but there's also, we've tried to put in a lot of, of, of modeling and tools and something we didn't talk about today was the the way in which we model the destructive aspect of the psyche and how it is um, self-similar to the way viruses and parasites work in biology. And so um, uh, that's in the book. There's a couple of chapters on how that works. And everything sort of leads up to that. But, um, yeah, this is just um, – this is, this is a, um, perhaps – a different take on the on if you're reading books on alchemy, this is sort of an alchemical journey or book about alchemical processes from uh, maybe you could say it's sort of a 21st century uh, take on a lot of these ancient um, understandings. Yeah, and you can uh, get you can actually download the book for free on our website at shadowtechbook.com. Right. Um, we also have it available on Amazon in a Kindle version and also a print version, too. Yeah, shadowtechbook.com. You just sign up for our mailing list, and we send the book out for free. The print version has an extra chapter called Living in the Movie at the end. But regardless, we just wanted to get this work out. And so... Um, we felt, you know... This is an ongoing investigation. Like, um, like we said before, um, we feel that we are on the alchemical journey ourselves and we're just documenting our own journey. Yeah. And because we're artists, we're documenting it in art, in our music, the O1 experience. And then also in um, the left brain mode in, in book form right. and um, doing um, workshops and things like that. Yeah, it's a huge domain, Alex. And um, today we touched on, I, we just sort of organically went wherever we went. But, um, but there's, we could probably have about three more talks like this and really get into other aspects of this work in, in, in depth. But I think that probably does a good job of uh, serving as a basis and, and then people can explore on their own from there. Yeah, and I thought we were going to finish this episode by listening to one of your tracks. So can you talk a bit about that? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, the particular song that we sent you is called Heart Will Open. And basically it's um, my 
personal experience, um, we both wrote the song, um, music, and and lyrics. And it's my alchemical experience of actually hitting those deep core wounds in myself. And I actually go through the whole process during the song of actually hitting those wounds and my own understanding of that I had to go inside my my being in order to for my heart to be healed because um, my my personal wound um, was about abandonment deeply from my mother, which is the heart, right? And it's about healing and opening the heart. Yeah. So thank you a lot for taking the time to be on the podcast. Well, thanks for thank having you. us, Alex. We yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. Call us anytime. Freedom is in the mind. Yes. 